Chapter One, Joseph, Part Sixteen of the Legends of the Jews, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume Two, by Rabbi Louis Ginsberg. The Blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. All the years of Jacob's sojourn in Egypt. Asenath, the wife of Joseph, was his constant nurse. When she saw his end drawing nigh, she spoke to Joseph, I have heard that one who is blessed by a righteous man is as though he had been blessed by the Shekinah. Therefore bring thy sons hither, that Jacob give them his blessing. Though Joseph was a devoted and loving son to his father, he was not in constant attendance upon him, because he wanted to avoid giving him the opportunity of inquiring into the circumstances of his coming to Egypt. He was apprehensive that Jacob might curse his sons and bring death upon them, if he discovered the facts connected with their treacherous dealings with Joseph. He took good care, therefore, never to be alone with his father. But as he desired to be kept informed of his welfare, he arranged a courier service between himself and Jacob. Now, when Joseph received the news of his father's having fallen sick, through his messenger, as well as through Ephraim, whom Jacob was instructing in the Torah, he hastened to the land of Goshen, taking his two sons with him. He desired to have certainty upon five points. Would his father bless his two sons, who were born in Egypt, and, if so, would he appoint them to be heads of tribes? Would he assign the rights of the firstborn unto himself, and, if so, would he divest Reuben of such rights altogether? And why had his father buried his mother Rachel by the wayside, and not carried her body to the family tomb at Machpelah? Jacob had also entertained doubts on five points, when he was about to emigrate from Canaan to Egypt. He did not know whether his descendants would lose themselves among the people of Egypt, whether he would die there and be buried there, and whether he would be permitted to see Joseph and see the sons of Joseph. God gave him the assurance, saying, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will surely bring thee up again after thy death, and thy descendants also, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. When the time approached for the fulfillment of the divine promise, God appeared unto Jacob, and he said, I have promised to fulfill thy wish, and the time of fulfillment hath come. The Holy Spirit made known to Jacob that Joseph was coming to him, and he strengthened himself, and sat upon the bed in order to pay due respect to the representative of the government. Though Joseph was his son, he was also viceroy, and entitled to special marks of honor. Besides, Jacob desired to make the impression of being a man in good health. He wanted to avoid the possibility of having his blessing of Joseph and Joseph's sons questioned as the act of an irresponsible person. He strengthened himself spiritually as well as physically, by prayer to God, in which he besought him to let the Holy Spirit descend upon him at the time of his giving the blessing to the sons of Joseph. When Joseph appeared in the company of his two sons, his father said to him, In all the seventeen years thou hast been visiting me, thou didst never bring thy sons with thee, but now they have come, and I know the reason. If I bless them, I shall act in opposition to the word of God, who promised to make me the progenitor of twelve tribes, for if I adopt them as my sons, there will be fourteen tribes. But if I do not bless them, it will plunge thee in sorrow. So be it, I will bless them. But think not I do it, because thou didst support me all these years. 
There is quite another reason. When I left my father's house to go to Haran, I offered up a prayer at Bethel, and I promised to give God unto the tenth of all I owned. So far as my material possessions are concerned, I kept my vow, but I could not give the tithe of my sons, because according to the law I had to withdraw from the reckoning the four sons, Reuben, Joseph, Dan, and Gad, that are the first-born children of their mothers. When I returned, God again appeared to me in Bethel, and he said, Be fruitful and multiply. But after this blessing no son was born unto me except Benjamin alone, and it cannot be but that God meant Manasseh and Ephraim, when he spoke of a nation and a company of nations. If now I have found favor in thy sight, thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, even as Reuben and Simon, shall be mine, and then I shall be able to give a tenth part of my ten sons unto the Lord, and I shall leave this world free from the sin of not keeping my vow to the Lord concerning the tithe-giving. Joseph consented to do his father's will, and Jacob tithed his sons, consecrating Levi to the Holy One, and appointing him to be the chief of his brethren. He enjoined his sons to have a care that there should never fail them a son of Levi in the priestly succession. And it happened that, of all the tribes, Levi was the only one that never proved faithless to the covenant of the fathers. Thus Jacob adopted Manasseh and Ephraim to be his own sons, even as Reuben and Simon were his sons. They were entitled, like the others, to a portion in the Holy Land, and like the others they were to bear standards on their journey through the desert. Satisfied as to Jacob's intentions concerning his sons, Joseph asked his father about his mother's burial place, and Jacob spoke, saying, As thou livest, thy wish to see thy mother lying by my side in the grave doth not exceed mine own. I had joy in life only as long as she was alive, and her death was the heaviest blow that ever fell upon me. Joseph questioned him, Perhaps thou didst have to bury her in the way, because she died during the rainy season, and thou couldst not carry her body through the rain to our family sepulchre. No, replied Jacob, she died in the springtime, when the highways are clean and firm. Joseph, grant me permission to take up her body now and place it in our family burial place. Jacob, no, my son, that thou mayest not do. I was unwilling to bury her in the way, but the Lord commanded it. The reason of the command was that God knew that the temple would be destroyed, and Israel would be carried away into banishment, and the exiles would ask the patriarchs to intercede for them with God, but God would not hearken unto them. On their way to the land of the stranger they would pass the grave of Rachel, and they would throw themselves upon it, and beseech their mother to make intercession for them with God. And Rachel would pray to God in their behalf, O Lord of the world, look upon my tears, and have compassion upon my children. But if thou wilt not take pity on them, then indemnify me for the wrong done unto me. Unto her prayer God will hearken, and he will have mercy upon Israel. Therefore Rachel was buried in the way. Now Jacob desired to bless the sons of Joseph, but the Holy Spirit made him to see Jeroboam, the descendant of Ephraim, and Jehu, the descendant of Manasseh, how they would seduce Israel to idolatry, and the Shekinah forsook him, as he was about to lay his hands upon the heads of his grandsons. He said to Joseph, Is it possible that thou didst not marry the mother of thy children according to the law? Joseph thereupon brought his wife Asenath to his father, and pointing to her marriage contract, he said, This one is my wife, whom I married as is proper, with a marriage contract and due ceremony.' 
I pray thee, my father, bless my sons, if only for the sake of this pious woman. Jacob bade his grandsons to approach close to him, and he kissed and embraced them, in the hope that his joy in them would lure back the Holy Spirit, but his hope was in vain. Joseph concluded that the time was not favorable for blessing, and he decided to go away until a more propitious opportunity presented itself, first, however, proving to his father that his sons had been initiated in the covenant of Abraham. Outside of his father's chamber, alone with his sons, he threw himself down before God, and besought him to show him mercy, and he bade his sons to do likewise, saying, Be not content with your high station, for worldly honors are but for a time. Entreat God to be merciful, and let the Shekinah descend upon my father, that he bless you both. Then spake God to the Holy Spirit, How long yet shall Joseph suffer? Reveal thyself quickly, and enter into Jacob, that he may be able to bestow blessings. In the words of Jacob, Ephraim and Manasseh, even as Reuben and Simon, shall be mine. Joseph had noticed his father's preference for his younger son Ephraim. It made him very anxious about his older son's birthright, and he was careful to put the two lads before his father in such wise that Manasseh should stand opposite Jacob's right hand, and Ephraim opposite his left hand. But Ephraim, on account of his modesty, was destined for greater things than his older brother Manasseh, and God bade the Holy Spirit prompt Jacob to give the birthright to Ephraim. Now, when Joseph observed his father put his right hand upon Ephraim's head, he made an attempt to remove it unto Manasseh's head. But Jacob warded him off, saying, What, thou wouldst displace my hand against my will, the hand that overcame the prince of the angel hosts, who is as large as one-third of the world? I know things not known to thee. I know what Reuben did to Bilhah, and what Judah did to Tamar. How much more do I know things known to thee? Thinkest thou, I know not what thy brethren did to thee, because thou wouldst betray nothing whenever I ask thee? I know it, Manasseh also shall become great, the judge Gideon shall descend from him, but his younger brother will be the ancestor of Joshua, who will bring the sun and the moon to a standstill, though they have dominion over the whole earth from end to end. Thus did Jacob set Ephraim the younger above Manasseh the older, and thus did it remain unto all times. In the list of the generations Manasseh comes after Ephraim, and so it was in the allotment of the portions in the Holy Land, and so it was in the placing of the camps and the standards of the tribes, and in the dedication of the tabernacle, everywhere Ephraim preceded Manasseh. The blessing bestowed upon his grandchildren by Jacob was as follows. Oh, that it will be the will of God that ye walk in the ways of the Lord like unto my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may the angel that hath redeemed me from all evil give his aid unto Joshua and Gideon, and reveal himself unto them. May your names be named on Israel, and like unto fishes may you grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth, and as fishes are protected by the water, so may you be protected by the merits of Joseph. The words like unto fishes were used by Jacob for the purpose of intimating the manner of death awaiting the Ephraimites, the descendants of Joseph. As fish are caught by their mouth, so the Ephraimites were in later days to invite their doom by their peculiar lisp. At the same time, Jacob's words contained the prophecy that Joshua, the son of the man Nun, the fish, would lead Israel into the Holy Land. And in his words lay still another prophecy, 
with reference to the sixty thousand men children begot in the same night as moses all cast into the river with him and saved for the sake of his merits the number of boys thrown to the fishes in the river that night was equal to the number of men in israel upon the earth ephraim received a special and separate blessing from his grandfather jacob said to him ephraim my son thou art the head of the academy and in the days to come my most excellent and celebrated descendants will be called Ephrati, after thee. Joseph received two gifts from his father. The first was Shechem, the city that Jacob had defended, with sword and bow, against the depredations of the Amorite kings, when they tried to take revenge upon his sons for the outrage committed there. And the second gift was the garments made by God for Adam, and passed from hand to hand, until they came into the possession of Jacob. Shechem was his reward, because with his chastity he stemmed the tide of immorality that burst loose in Shechem, first of all. Besides, he had a prior claim upon the city. Shechem, the son of Hamor, the master of the city, had given it to Dinah as a present, and the wife of Joseph, Asenath, being the daughter of Dinah, the city belonged to him by right. Adam's clothes Jacob received from Esau. He had not taken them from his brother by force, but God had caused them to be given to him as a reward for his good deeds. They had belonged to Nimrod. Once, when the mighty hunter caught Esau in his preserves, and forbade him to go on the chase, they agreed to determine by combat what their privileges were. Esau had taken counsel with Jacob, and he had advised him never to fight with Nimrod while he was clothed in Adam's garments. The two now wrestled with each other, and at the time Nimrod was not dressed in Adam's clothes. The end was that he was slain by Esau. Thus the garments worn by Adam fell into the hands of Esau. From him they passed into Jacob's, and he bequeathed them to Joseph. Jacob also taught Joseph three signs, whereby to distinguish the true Redeemer, who should deliver Israel from the bondage of Egypt. He would proclaim the ineffable name, appoint elders, and use the word pakad in addressing the people. End of chapter 1, part 16